Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Hello and welcome back to Camp Half Pod. We are your head counselors. I'm Erin, daughter of Athena. And I'm Manasa, daughter of Persephone. This week we're starting The Dark Prophecy with chapters 1 through 4. I gotta, we got this. So we record episodes like a couple weeks before we release it. So we got this voice message with ant facts that I wanted to share because we put out a request for more ant facts. Yeah. Answered her call. Oh my God. This is everything I've ever dreamed. Please. People just giving me answers when I ask for it. Right. And so like, it's a little bit delayed. We are somehow returning (laughs) to ants, the topic. We never left. We never left, but I'll play this one. Hello. Um, I've got facts about ants. <laughs> Did you know that the biggest ant nest was over 3,700 miles wide? <gasps> I don't like that one. <laughs> either. Also, some of them don't have eyes, which is kind of neat. Anyway, I hope these don't end up in your nightmares. Love you. I love it. Love you too. Thank you so much. It was from Lulu. I just love that they were compelled <laughs> to share that fact with us. And well, they don't have eyes, so they just use their antenna. I guess we deep in the ground, so why would they yeah. need an- uh, eyes? Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. I guess they use their little like thousand miles. That's scary. I don't like that one. I can't even Is like, it like visualize that. Did it cover three thousand miles? Did it? Was it when you stack them all together? It was like three thousand <laughs> miles of tunnels. Just put them on top of each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like where is it? You know, where is there that much real estate? You know, I never thought I would think this much about ants before. Yeah, discuss well, them, research them. Yeah, yeah. I think we we welcome all ant facts. I feel like there's other. Uh, I always welcome dolphin. Actually, I don't welcome dolphin facts because too many of you have messaged me about how dolphins are mean, and I refuse. I that's fake news to me, so I refuse oh, to hear it. I've gotten so many messages being like, "Did you know that dolphins like hurt people?" And I'm like, "No." I, I remember there was a, a point, maybe in college. When I was like talking, I was like, one of my guy friends was like, turned to me and was like, Masa always has animal facts. She tells us without prompting. I realized I was that person. I was like, oh my God. Oh no. But yeah, we welcome ant facts. Yes, we do. I can use this at parties. Weasel facts. That that was a fun time. The weasels. Oh yeah, the weasels. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's always something we have. Usually animals. Maybe we're just uh, small children after all. Yeah. Aren't we all? Hmm. Going back to zoo books. <laughs> so, anyways, we're starting a new book. What are your What are your predictions for this book? Going going off the vibes. I don't know the cover. The first four chapters we've read. Um, 
the dark prophecy. Something's gotta happen, right? It's Something dark. dark. Someone dies. But like a side character, because I don't believe Rick is brave. Like he could have killed Leo, but magically makes him come back. Like, come on. You know what He's I mean? He's only ever killed. I mean, he killed Beckendorf. Yeah. Rip. The, the, like he was a side character. The one black man. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the one black man and side character. Um, they killed him pretty fast. <laughs> um, I mean, Selena died. That was tragic. But was again, sad. side character. Mm-hmm. Luke, but he's the villain. Yeah, he had to die. Yeah. Not very many, like, super, like, devastating Bob. But now oh, we're finding out that sad. Bob might be alive, right? Yeah. I mean, he would respawn. Yeah. The monsters do that. Yeah. Um, I think that the whole of the book is going to be in Indiana because, <laughs> you know. But I was like, what prophecy vehicle are they going after? I don't remember. Because they went, the, the, the grove of Donda was... Dodona? Which one is Donda. it? Dodona. Dodona. The Grove of Dodona yep. was, yeah, in um, in camp. So I don't know which one's mm-hmm. going to be here. Um, I think that the boss villain, the emperor of this area, is going to be Octavian, like the OG Augustus. Mm-hmm. Even though I don't remember if they, we were told who the three emperors were, but I think that would make the most sense of someone who wanted immortality. Augustus, the guy who journals a lot. He journals a lot? Yes, he kept his entire... Because he wanted to be able to publish a book about his life. So he wrote everything Mm -hmm. he ever did down. Because he was very self-obsessed. I also think Mm -hmm. Meg and Apollo will battle, but like sad. Like they'll do it sadly. You do a sad battle. There's like sad sad music playing in the background. (laughs) Apollo actually... It's Apollo singing. And he's, he's doing a sad, sad dance. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my predictions for this. I don't really have much to go on. Um, yeah. I think I'll have better predictions as we go forward. Mm-hmm. But this is what I've started off with. Mm-hmm. That is our very own dark prophecy that you've made. I have. It's dark. That is for sure. Is it? All right. <laughs> Death, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So, um, a summary of what we're going to talk about today. We get to Indiana, where you can literally feel Rick's hatred for the <laughs> state just emanating. And the trio going to fight some uh, headless shouldermen and hang out in a house that's alive. Nice. All right. I got chapters one and two. So, chapter one. Lester Apollo. Still human, thanks for asking. Gods, I hate my life. So we open it. I feel like it's always in media res in the middle of action with Apollo, Mm. Leo, and Calypso riding atop Festus over Indiana. They've been traveling for the last six weeks, which I, I had a note here. I was like, Festus is slow. Like six weeks to get from New York to Indiana. I was like, maybe they explain later or I read over it and missed it. Maybe well, they made about a lot all of the stops. things that they have to fight. They fight like so many yeah. creatures. All, but I also think the problem is that, is that they didn't actually use deductive reasoning, and they tried to go through every state. Which, like the prophecy said, Indiana banana. <laughs> they were like in Midwest. So we have to go through all of Middle America, and so it's taking them six weeks to go to the one place that was explicitly stated in the prophecy. And like Why six even weeks have a is a lot. It's alarming that they haven't really bonded yet. Like, there's still ten. I feel like six weeks of a quest, you bond. 
you know. Annabeth and Percy became best friends in three days. Like, it's yeah, like crazy. come on, get over yourselves, Apollo mm. and Calypso. I, Leo's just kind of there vibing, I guess. Leo's yeah. bonded with Festus and not talking to anyone else. <laughs> That's how I imagine him. So anyway, Festus is slow. So all signs are pointing towards Indiana, like as their as their landing destination. As Apollo has been having visions of Meg being there, and also the prophecy literally mentioned Indiana. (laughs) Like, he says the reason they're going, he's like, I keep seeing Meg in this city, and I'm like, what are you, the prophecy said Indiana. They all have (laughs) really bad (laughs) memories. Yeah. I thought the whole point was to get a prophecy so they could go off of it. And Annabeth isn't involved, therefore no one is using their brain. No one has the brain cell. Annabeth Mm -hmm. has it, and she's using it to study for the SATs. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Festus is really agitated and wants to destroy Indiana real badly. So, they know that they must be in the right place, near some monsters or whatever. So they land, and at first there are no immediate threats. In fact, the passers-by are all very Midwestern friendly to them. And they all are ignoring the dragon and saying hi and greeting them. And they're like, wow, this is some thick mist, like, to hide a dragon. I just, I'm like, isn't the mist always really good at hiding big things? But um, Calypso thinks it's odd. She's like, you know, she's kind of a magical mist girl. And she's like, that's weird that they're not even seeing anything in place of the dragon. So Festus then conveniently starts to malfunction because he's a problematic king. Every t- <laughs> he malfunctions so much for how much Leo has tinkered with this dragon. I think he does it on purpose. 100%. He's like, I don't want to be alive in Indiana. So I'm just going to die. <laughs> yeah. So they're stuck on foot for the time being. And Leo's able to like push a button and Festus like turns into like a little briefcase that's very heavy. Apollo, however, is struck by a particular individual who introduces herself like she's coming up to them and is like, hi, how are you? Welcome to Indiana. And her name is Nanette. She greets them and is way too friendly. And as he looks at her, he noticed that her proportions are all off, which is kind of rude to say. (laughs) But he tries to then walk away from her. He's like getting weird vibes from this old lady. But she grabs him by the arms and says, you can't go yet, dear. We haven't welcomed you to Indiana even though they've been welcoming him to Indiana, so something is suspicious. She pulls a smartphone from her purse then and says into it, It's him, all right. Everybody come over. Apollo is here. Calypso is then, because as we recall, she does not have magic anymore, which I think is lame. Mm. And Calypso's whole thing was like her magic. Like that was all she really had on that island alone by herself. Like she was very good at creating things and growing things and doing her witchy things so she's left without much so she just goes for it when Nanette shows a sign of aggression Calypso's like rounds off and punches her in the face which breaks Calypso's hand which I was Mm. like Bella Swan is this book Twilight do you remember when Bella punches Jacob yeah Yeah, and she breaks her own hand deserved Mm. Jacob's cancelled but yeah I was like maybe this book is not Glee it's Twilight but I think it is Glee unfortunately (laughs) there's too much music for it to not be Glee yeah but I really that's all it could make me think of was Bella punching Jacob and breaking her own hand 
So Nanette's head, though, it does topple off. And they see that it has been made of metal. And it's not really Nanette's head. It's a disguise. She is a Blemye, which Apollo recognizes, and is here to arrest Apollo in the name of the Triumvirate. And here I went, I went on a journey reading about Blemyes here. I, I had to know. Google because the description yeah. that is in the book made absolutely no sense to me. I was like, it's this so weird. crazy. And then I looked it up a picture and I'm like, this is exactly what I actually thought the description was correct. It's so fun. The pictures are so funny. They just like, they look really uncreative, like a child who just like forgot about the head. So they just like stamped. Or you know yeah. when people like, um... I don't know, like, you, I don't know if you ever did, like, the hand people growing up with, like, two fingers, like, your middle fingers are, like, legs and the other two mm-hmm. the arms when you walk across. Yes. That's what I imagine, except the head, there's no head, it's just, like, the, your entire palm is the face. It makes me think of the thumb thumbs a little bit from Spy Kids. Yes, except imagine they have a face on the palm yeah. part. Yeah, so, instead of the thumb. If you of cut the off thumb. the thumb, yeah. Which then defeats the point of the thumb thumbs, but, you know. Mm-hmm. But you know what's interesting? Hmm. So I went on a journey reading about them, like where they came from. Because like when there's these myths that come up or monsters or whatever, I'm always like, oh, like what was it? What did it do in mythology? You know, like what? who did it fight? What was its story? But these guys, like, I can't. The first reference to them was in Herodotus Histories. And they were described Basically, basically, they're racist. They were described as like, it's what the Greeks wrote as they were like people in Africa, and they thought that people there looked like this. But historians now I was reading think that it's because a lot of tribal folks would like, as I like would crouch down while hunting. And so the Greeks didn't take a moment to look at, at any further and were like, these are headless people. I saw something that was like a lot of myths and religions and stories can get explained when you remember that they we didn't have glasses until very recent <laughs> history. Yeah, that's and how I think it about feels. That a lot. Yeah, yeah, because it's like the places they described as seeing these blemies were places with people in tribes that often. Like, it was a combat tactic of keeping their heads pressed close to their chest. But these these people just didn't have glasses and saw people who were, like, different than them and were like, this is obviously a, a monster instead of being like, oh, maybe they're just bending down. I also love the idea that, like, this guy who doesn't have his glasses on sees these people with their heads lowered and was like, mm-hmm. oh, holy shit, I had to tell my friends. And he draws. He also doesn't have glasses for drawing. So when he draws, <laughs> he, like, thinks he's drawing the face on the head, but he's actually drawing it on the <laughs> chest. And then it just <laughs> spirals from there. The pictures, like, when you Google it, though, are, like, really funny to me. There's one that I see where it's wearing a hat still. <laughs> I'm gonna send you a picture of this one because it's so funny to me. Why is he wearing a hat? I don't know, but I love him. Decorate my neck area. Yeah, and there's like hair where the neck should be. (laughs) It's fun, I guess you could say. I think people took interesting liberties with these drawings. (laughs) They're so weird. But yeah. Those are the Blumiers. I went on a bit okay. of a spiral. Do you see the hat? Hmm. 
little hat, little sun hat, like little boxers on. (laughs) So at least he's dressed. Yeah, at At least least he's dressed. Yeah, yeah. They're like like a Humpty Dumpty, but with yeah. That's exactly how I imagine Humpty Dumpty looked. Honestly, yeah, kind of eggish. Yeah, yeah. So it's an interesting myth. Um. I kind of like the way they are in Rick's story, though. Like, they're kind of cute. <laughs> they're just, like, these weird very Midwestern polite. Pe- polite monsters that, like, also want to kill you. social cues. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, on to chapter two. Headless guys and gals. Not loving the Midwestern vibe. Oh, look, a cheese ghost. So more locals who are also all blemiers in disguise. Like, I guess no. I mean, he does mention that there's some mortals, like, going about their business. But I I kind of like the headcanon that nobody actually lives in the Midwest. It's all headless people. <laughs> He's blemiers, yeah. Yeah. They all converge on their position. Calypso, not having learned her lesson, then tries to mm. kick Nanette and then, like, twists her ankle and falls over in pain. They are outnumbered. And Apollo and Leo are both helping Calypso, so they run and leave Festus behind for now, because they, like, can't carry Calypso and Festus, or, like, help Calypso hobble along. They spy an alley to hide in and head towards it, but are stopped by a another headless person, a headless apparition now, with a faint ginger or a cheese-colored light, wearing traditional Greek clothes and sandals. Blood trickles from his severed neck. Something about this ghost unsettles Apollo more than, you know, like a usual headless ghost would. Mm. He feels a lot of guilt that's thousands of years old, but he can't recall what exactly he did. But he just feels like somehow he's either responsible or connected to this ghost in a way that is not a good look for him. They don't have any other option as the Blemiers are closing in, so they follow the ghost down the alley, and the ghost leads them to a plaza where the Blemier catch up with them and then close in on them, and the ghost disappears. All right, let's see what notes. I think I've touched on most of them. My only one is I do like the way Rick writes the like recaps that are always in, in kids' books or in series books in Apollo's voice like he really shines and like the way he's retelling what happened having just read it I'm like that's not really like he's like I was encumbered I suffered I've been punished like it's very funny and he the voice is great it's definitely a better way of telling the story than the last two series the Mm. last two have been kind of like he just somebody regurgitates information whether it's Percy or like Jason to himself, we were like, we yeah. get it, move on. This was very funny to read because it's like, oh, unreliable narrator telling yes. me what I've already read. Yeah. Yes. Percy's was always it. like, that's right. I'm a demigod. <laughs> I feel like that was the vibe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Zeus, you know him? He's real. <laughs> He's real. And guess what? <laughs> yeah, it felt very like teenager esque. Yeah. And then like my dirty little secret starts playing in the background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I have chapters three and four. So chapter three, my last performance, some old lady drops the mic and kills everyone. So 
where we left off, you know, the Blamiers have surrounded them, and so Leo comes up with a last-minute plan. He sees a bulldozer on the side of the road. There is a Blamier inside of it operating. <laughs> but he sees it, and he tells Apollo to distract them, what he calls them, the metalheads, while he sneaks over. Apollo puts on a show by demanding that the Blamiers <laughs> first hear his final plea before they kill him, which he then has to define what a final plea is. Apollo tells his captivated audience about his latest trial while Calypso, who's about to pass out from the pain of her injuries, acts as his chorus. They have a cute little banter where she acts as his chorus by basically adding on a sentence about how much he sucks at the end of his (laughs) speech every single time. Nice. Also, by the way, Leo is sneaking over to the bulldozer by pretending to do an interpretive dance to Apollo and Calypso's story. (laughs) Apollo describes him as like a like a crazy ballerina. He's mm. spinning slowly closer to the bulldozer. Um, and so Leo ends up getting to the bulldozer and takes out the Blamier sitting as the driver. The others are confused by his acts, but Apollo convinces him that Leo's actually still simply acting out parts of the performance. He takes Calypso and they slowly try to walk over to the bulldozer, telling the Blamier to imagine this is some similar to how Apollo left Camp Half-Blood. Unfortunately, this is where the Blamiers become suspicious, since they are not capable of imagination, and they realize that the trail is actually escaping. The main Blamier, who's Nanette, tells them that it's a shame that they will die, because they're... I'm sorry, it's a shame they will die. It didn't matter anyway, because they would have never gained access to the Blue Cave anyway which is i love when villains do that they're like mm-hmm. give out pieces of really essential information be like you wouldn't have been able to do and solve x y and z and if they mm-hmm. hadn't said that they wouldn't have gotten there so anyway. good also it's a shame that they will miss the naming celebration that happens in three days apollo and the girl were supposed to be star acts in the slave procession which is a big hmm. joke. Apollo wonders if she's talking about Meg as the girl, but he doesn't get to really think about it because the um, Blamier are closing in again. Apollo starts unwrapping his bow to try and fight back, but an arrow ends up hitting Nanette in the forehead anyway. At first, Apollo thinks it's Artemis because it's a silvery bow that looks very similar to hers, but instead it's a woman about 60 with gray hair in her like gray hair that she's put up in a bun. She tells him to hit the pavement and circles in the ground appear and a lot of crossbows pop out of the ground. They all fire arrows nonstop as the trio ducks. The Blamier don't really understand what's going on, which is kind of sad. They're just standing there looking at the crossbows and um, it takes them all out. The woman introduces herself as Emmy and the ghost I had seen earlier was Agamethus. Apollo knows that he's seen this woman before and he's heard the name Agamethus before, but he can't place him. Agamethus had apparently led them to her doorstep and she says that they are now safe. Emmy recognizes Calypso because she looks so much like Zoe Nightshade. Apollo is confused. He knows that for Emmy to know Zoe, she must have been a hunter, but she's way too old to be a hunter now because they usually cap off at like 12 for weird puberty reasons. Yeah. No hormones here. Nah, I guess. (laughs) It's kind of creepy, but Mm -hmm. continue. I I mean, as a young, like, as a 12-year-old, I was like, yes, the perfect age to join. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Emmy doesn't answer any of his questions. Instead, tells them they need to get off the street and into the way station. So, chapter four. 
no building should be a secret from Apollo or drop bricks on him. Not his best, I would say, because he doesn't really have to do with the plot. Mm, but okay. Mm-hmm. Emmy takes them inside a big ornate building in the South Plaza. She runs her fingers between two bricks and a door just kind of appears carved into the wall and opens to reveal metal rungs leading up somewhere. Apollo gently reminds her as like Calypso can't really climb anything at the moment. Also, Calypso looks like she's like halfway to death. And Emmy asks the building to create a ramp. They go up the ramp and into a room that ends up being an extremely well-stocked infirmary. Emmy takes Calypso from the boys and tells them to continue up the ramp where they'll find Joe. And on their way up, they see a pink bedroom with many crayon drawings, probably fitting like a seven or eight year old child. The corner of the room is decorated with a frenzy of crayon colors and violent images. It's like all the nice images that were in closer to the door are now like the opposite where llamas are killing humans and families are eating each other. Something Mm. really off. Apollo wonders why the way station decided to show him this room, but he can't really think much of it. They end up and they decide to not go in. They should just keep going to see Joe because <laughs> scary children's rooms are the beginning yeah. of every horror movie. True. They, they end up in what can only be described as like a Beauty and the Beast-esque apartment with a lot of stained glass windows and a huge chef's kitchen and like a, like a welding table and a bunch of craft tables. I was like, this is a lesbian's house, like 100%. (laughs) And on that note, a muscular woman is hunched over a welding station working on a sheet of metal. She introduces herself as Joe or Josephine, and she knows them all by name already. And she's like, Waystation told me everything. She's super excited to see all of them. She tells them that the Blemier used to be normal, slightly annoying neighbors to them. But in the last year since the emperor has come, and taken over has become a big problem. Josephine explains that the way station was designed by a demigod architect back in the late 1800s as a safe place for demigods, satyrs, and hunters, and like pretty much anyone who needed it. It's impossible to find unless you are invited in. Josephine is also the daughter of Hecate, but has a mechanic as a mortal father. So she is like into magical construction, which is really cool niche, I think. It's, like, perfect for, like, Leo and Calypso. Like, they were both really... That was, like, what they wanted to do together, basically. Yeah, open a shop based Mm -hmm. off of it. Which they actually don't bring up, but you're a good point. Like, that is something they wanted to do together. Yeah. Josephine says she has some work to finish, but will show them the guest rooms and get Leo some clothes. Leo, by the way, is almost (laughs) naked. We forgot to mention. (laughs) We forgot that part. (laughs) Because, like, he tries to... Like the Blemier's on fire? No, because Festus burns him because oh, right. he tries to go see what's wrong yeah, with yeah, Festus yeah. and Festus just like explodes on him. <laughs> Leo's like, not again. It's really yeah. convenient that his underwear is the only thing I, not burned off. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, apparently they've had in the way station a lot more vacancies than usual though apollo decides it's wise not to ask seeing the weird child's room he was like i actually don't want to know the history behind this place Mm -hmm. apollo does ask if emmy and josephine are hunters and she tersely says they were once but hemithia will explain it all when she returns with calypso this is where apollo realizes why emmy looked familiar she's hemithia an ancient greek princess that apollo made immortal many centuries ago Mm -hmm. 
So a uh, couple of notes. Uh, one of my predictions for the next couple of chapters, I'm sure we'll find out very soon, is that Joe and Emmy are in love, and that's why they got kicked out of the Hunters. Mm-hmm. Um, also, this house, the way that it's described, really reminds me of the only part of A Discovery of Witches that I really liked. I didn't read that. I still haven't it. Read was it was not good, personally. Okay. I know mm-hmm. it's a really popular book series and TV show. Uh, I did not like either of them. But mm. there is a part in... I read the whole book, but it, was, it wasn't for me. I don't think yeah. I'd... Ro- Isn't like, it like a forbidden romance. love romance thing? Yeah. I'm he's, like... He's a I vampire, like, so yeah. he can like smell when she's ovulating or whatever. Oh, she's not, on her period. Mm, I'm just not like, not that. for me. <laughs> not for me. Not... No, not to my taste. But, but like, good in, for you. <laughs> the, I know. Yeah. In The Discovery of Witches, her aunts live in a house that's alive. And so it, it's a really cool... I was like really it's one of those like it's like twilight effect where the main characters are actually the least interesting part of the book Mm -hmm. i would like a whole series of these aunts yeah and um they live in this house that like basically it knows when someone's gonna come so it like the you'll wake up and you have an extra guest room and you're like oh someone's coming to stay and like it won't open doors it has an attitude too so it'll like be a little bit annoying if you like two people are fighting it'll lock them in a room so they talk about it and stuff like that and so I really, it reminded me of that, like, lesbians and all, everything is there. It's very similar. <laughs> I love an alive house. That's very cool. Me too. Not that I've ever um, been to one. Not that I've <laughs> all the personal experience I have yeah. with alive houses. Yeah. But reading about them, I feel like it, there's something very homey about it. It was like your home is alive and it loves mm. you and it protects you and it reflects the kind of personality you might have. I think that's very lovely. Okay, well, what about if it's, like, in a haunted way? What if it's, like, <laughs> That's evil? Monster House? Monster We've seen House. that movie. <laughs> Honestly, that was a good movie. It I was. I really and liking you watch it. it. You watch it now and you realize how old the and under budget the animation was. Oh, but it was a yeah. bomb when it came out. It was great. I was really into it. Like, I remember watching that movie and then kind of, like, wanting to talk to my own house, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, what if this was but in a good way yeah. instead? Yeah. Well, didn't they become um, friends with the house in the end? Or did I make that up? No, I think he... he it's like the house is alive because his like wife dies oh. in it. Hmm. And she's angry. So I think he ends up burning the house or he dies yeah. in it. I don't remember. I have to rewatch Monster House. Yeah. Important um, viewing for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, bonus episode is the Monster House. <laughs> Um, my last note is um, I would just like to say that these plans are getting more <laughs> ridiculous to read. I just can I can only let him imper- interpretive dance so many times. Yeah, like the gentle break dancing, the rapping, <laughs> and Leo's interpretive dance. It's just, <laughs> I need Rick to think of other plans. And the fact that it worked. I mean, I do like that it actually never really works. There's yeah. always, like, an extra element that fixes yeah. it. He does the thing that he knows, and it's stupid, and we see it's stupid. But mm-hmm. it's still kind of frustrating to read, especially yeah. after reading. Okay, so I was talking to, um, I was emailing Anne, and something that we, I, like, realized while I was, like, trying to explain my predictions for, I think, what I think this series is, is... I am coming in. This is the first series I'm reading out of all of Rick's that I am above. I'm a, I'm not a teenager anymore. Yeah, you're not in the, the demographic. At all. And so mm-hmm. I'm reading as if he should be catering this to me. 
and I'm critiquing it. I'm like, this isn't funny. This is stupid. But at the same time, like, I think 12-year-old me would have been like, yes, this is how I would also solve the problem. Yeah. I feel like you have to, like, remove that part. You have to be like, okay, but if I was 12, this would be pretty funny. Yeah. I I love shenanigans. A 12-year-old me would have loved these shenanigans. Mm -hmm. But adult me was like, what is the creativity? Where is the depth? (laughs) What is the emotional meaning of his interpretive dancing? Which is ridiculous. So I do have to lighten up a little bit on that. (laughs) And like, I also understand it is funny. Objectively, to a younger audience, this is a good humorous idea. That this is how he gets out of his situation. So I will, that's where I'll leave it. So I'll try to go into the next couple chapters without being so obnoxious about it. It's fine. I, what I thought was funny rereading this is my main memory of this book was the Blemier things like the friendly midwesterns and the house and i'm realizing that that was all in the first four chapters <laughs> so <laughs> don't i don't remember what happened like i don't really remember like i know stuff like there's a climax but i don't remember what it is yeah, and not that this book is like, I'm like, I don't know, I'm not saying it's bad. I just don't really remember. But I don't remember a lot of the major strokes of any of the books. Mm-hmm. So I remember the third one, because that's like kind of a fan fave, I think. Now I kind of remember the fourth, fifth, and third, fourth, and fifth more. The first and second are a little fuzzy, so. Wasn't it like peak pandemic when you were reading this too? Yes, it was. Yeah, I think that might also (laughs) cause it. We were doing a lot that was just for survival at that time. A lot of reading, a lot of memory loss. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, honestly. A lot of me being like, oh shit, did I watch all of Dance Moms? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I did. God. (laughs) Brain rot right there. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty, let's do the lightning bolt questions. So, because like you you picked up on Rick hates Indiana for some reason. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the worst U.S. state? Ooh, Florida. Okay, yeah. I do <laughs> think Florida is kind of like the armpit of the United States. Like, like liter- like geographically, like the way it's shaped and like the, the climate, it's really hot and sweaty. Yeah. Um, I haven't I'm been sure to beautiful. any other, the ones There's that are famously parts. like, yeah, but the ones that are famously hated, well, I've been to, like, I've driven through Indiana, like, you know, there are parts that people really don't like about it, but I also know that people who grew up there, a lot of people really, really love it, too. Like, everywhere so it, is somewhere's, someone's hometown, you know, like, everywhere. Yeah, but, like, not in, like, a, a violent way, when, you know, some people want to talk about their hometown, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they yeah. want to burn it. Yeah, but um, I know some people who are from there who really loved it. I know a lot of people who went to mm-hmm. college there who liked it. That's interesting, like Purdue and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can survive the winter. Um, I know oh, John Green loves Indiana. John, that's Green. true, and I trust John Green's opinion. I trust him. Like I'm like yeah. sure, go off. Um, I know Ohio. A lot of people say fun stuff about Cincinnati, and also mm. I I like Louisiana. I like. I did not love Florida. I will mm. say that. I've only ever been to the, the theme parks in Florida, though, I, which mm. I feel like it's not like it's its own world. 
there. But even that, know? like, there's a document, uh, document. There's like a couple documentaries and movies about how, like, the like right around, like, the streets around Disney World in Orlando, some of the most poor. Oh, I wouldn't like, be surprised. Impoverished yeah. families. I think it's the same in like Anaheim as well. Or at least it used to be. Like, I remember when I was a kid hearing, like, oh, don't really, like, go... Like, if you go to Disneyland, don't really go to Anaheim. Like, like don't spend time in Anaheim. I don't know that it's still like in that. Orange but... County? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I like okay. the rest of Orange County. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. But I just... I know for a fact there was, like, a lot of uh, people discussing it. Because um, there's, like, a movie that I can't remember the name of about um, this family that just basically... Like the, they they live right next to Disney World, and so mm. they get to watch the fireworks. But they're like wow. fully like very deep in poverty. So I just like that. Wow. Even that vibe yeah. is so American armpit to me. Yeah, but, yeah. And they even drive. We drove through Florida, and just all the amount of the billboards that they have when you drive through. Mm. You're like, oh yeah, this yeah. is not. <laughs> this is a different vibe. I yeah. haven't been to Miami though. I've heard a lot of people yeah. have a lot of. Interesting opinions of Miami. Mm-hmm. No shade to anyone who lives in Florida and love. Like I'm sure there's nice parts of it. I feel like yeah, uh, it gets a bad rap. I do remember when I worked at a bookstore, there was someone who worked with me who was from Florida, and he was like very opinionated about. He was like, you know, Florida man, it's only a thing because of like some like laws or whatever about like what like the police reports being public. I don't know. I did not fact check. And this man ended up getting fired for stealing a lot of merchandise. So it didn't really like give Florida man a good reputation, to be honest. Um, I was thinking worse. Of the states I've been to, I feel like I haven't been to Florida enough besides theme parks. Um, Idaho didn't do it for me when I went there, but I will say it was on Mm. fire. Both times I've driven through Idaho, it's been in the summer and it's been like so on fire. You can't see anything and there's no vegetarian options there. So that's (laughs) my, like I just ate fries and choked on smoke the two times I've stayed in Idaho for one night. That's so but, I yeah. loved I I used to go to Idaho a lot when I was younger because it was so close to Spokane and so my family lived in Spokane so we would just drive over and mm-hmm. we had uh, there was we knew people in Idaho I loved Idaho I remember mm-hmm. I think it's beautiful but I, think I it's mean the obviously fires now. yeah the fires made it difficult to like enjoy it that's yeah. interesting yeah I'd like to go back and like go to the national parks that's one thing I, w- yes. I would love to go to all the I think all the states I'd appreciate them more if I went to their national parks because like see that's beauty. the one thing I'll give to the U.S. like I'm gonna be Uncle Sam smiles down upon me I'm becoming a patriot is that mm-hmm. we have great like national parks the one like the nature that we haven't destroyed is nice and it's, it's really, really versatile nice. you know like you mm-hmm. can go to Arizona and be in like the red canyons and here in the mountains and uh yeah there's like cool yeah. looking blue I've seen these like blue lakes in Florida that like have popped up that I'm like that's in Florida so like there's a lot of very cool stuff I Unfortunately, mean West they have that bridge that's really like Oh, yeah. Famous to drive on the yeah. beach bridge. And yeah. that looks beautiful, too. Yeah. Unfortunately, this country is just run by evil people. So <laughs> I am intrigued to see what people say to that. I'm going to put a poll out for their worst U.S. state. And I'm more intrigued to see what the not people who don't live in the U.S. say. Like what, oh, they, yeah. what state has the worst reputation. Yeah, I'm curious. 
Anyway, my next question is that if you were a headless ghost, like what would be your vibe? Like, what would you look like? Like this one, he's not really hitting the mark for me. He just is cheese colored and with a bloody neck. Okay. Um, I love nearly headless Nick's vibe, yeah. like mm-hmm. being able to like take my head off. Nearly headless. Yeah, Maybe that's exactly what I was headless. reading. Like it was in my head when you were reading. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think that's that's. A, I don't really have much. What about you? I think I'd carry my head around, mm. and like, I think I'd like try out different looks on it. You know, like those old or, Barbies that were like just a head and hair, and you could do their makeup and their hair. Yes, that's what yeah, I do. They had to my a neck, head. though. Yeah, they just had cut off at the shoulders. Yeah. Well, it'd just be a head. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, did you read like scary stories? To yes, the yeah. the the necklace girl or the, the ribbon? ribbon. Mm. Yes. So she mm. takes the ribbon off, and her head falls off, and I was traumatized. As that was my favorite sealed. one. I thought it was so cool. Like, what a plot twist. Yeah. Also, (laughs) ridiculous story as to read up as an adult. I'm like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. She has her neck tied on with a freaking ribbon. (laughs) That's a strong ribbon. Yeah. Was there a smell? Did she have to, like, disinfect every night before bed? Did she have a skincare neck routine? (laughs) Share it. Did she wash that ribbon? Oh, I hope so. But, like, what did she do with her head while she washed it? <laughs> and it how did her husband, like, I remember the, the whole thing being, like, her husband never knew until, like, on her deathbed she took it off. And how did he not know? <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, I think that would be a fun vibe to scare children is just, like, take mm. the ribbon off and head falls off. But then you have to pick up the head. Yeah. Uh, there's some things that I think I had to work out if I yeah. got this job. Yeah. The logistics of being a headless ghost. <laughs> Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. My question. So we have like, we talked about how much we love magic ancient houses, like houses that are alive. Mm. Would you rather have it be alive in like a magical way or in like a smart house way? Like an Alexa kind of way or like a, like the house reads a lot. <laughs> <laughs> where it's like a lot of things are controlled by the mainframe which you can talk to but it's it's robots versus magic of like there's no talking there is um everything kind of just like appears and floats around there's a lot more autonomy when it comes to magic yeah i'd say the magic ancient house i think the chances of it becoming haunted are higher which could be a plus or minus depending on your vibe so like it could be haunted which is cool um i think it would indulge me a little more you know it would probably mess with me a bit make me feel a little crazy like a smart house would would follow my demands a little too much until the robots take over i just have a like i also say magic more because i just know with my luck and the state of the world, somebody with a USB drive and has mm. light hacking skills would destroy my life. Yeah. Plus, if you lose power, like you don't, your smart house loses That's power. True. The magic, like if we're in like an apocalypse and electricity grids go down, magic ancient house is still gonna be like making you tea. Like you're still gonna have yeah. hot running water. You're Fighting gonna be the place the to be. For it you? will. It will put up barricades for the zombies. Yeah. 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 Magic ancient house, the way to go. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Alrighty. 
Well, next week we will be continuing the Dark Prophecy with chapters 5 through 8. As always, if you are interested in supporting us, you can find us on Patreon. The link is going to be in the episode description, as well as a link to send an audio message with more fan fun facts about ants, maybe. Yeah, exactly. We're going to get a ton of audio messages of people being, like, defending their state. (laughs) I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Let's hear it. Yeah. Let's hear it. I support all states, but not all of their mm. governors or mm. politicians. Um, on, you can follow us on social media at Camp Half Pod or email us camphalfpod at gmail.com. If you haven't already and you're this far through, that's impressive. <laughs> but please go rate and review if you want, if you like our podcast. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye bye.